I'm Victoria. I'm Vanessa. Yeah, it's okay if you can't tell us apart. I guess we would call it uh, a <laughs> engineering. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome, Welcome back. back. To our 14th episode um, of Twin Engineering. So, if this is your first time joining us, um, our podcast was made to be a resource for Latinas and first generation minorities in engineering um, by providing advice, knowledge, and just be a resource. Um, one way we have upgraded this podcast is by having other guests um, to share their stories, since we can only share so much about our stories. Um, so today we have a very special guest and we're very thankful, um, to have Katia Echazareta here today with us. Uh, Katia, do you want to give a brief description or intro of yourself before we get into today's episode? Sure. So hi everyone. My name is Katia. You can call me Kat. And I essentially started my career by studying electrical engineering at UCLA Shortly after that, I got my first internship at NASA while I was still a student. I was able to be hired six months before my graduation. So I essentially just walked back in as a NASA engineer once I graduated, which was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. And soon after that, I was able to climb up in the technical leadership ranks. I was able to be a test lead for the Europa Clipper mission and also an electronics lead for SpherX, which is a telescope at NASA's Jet Propulsion Lab. And then I was selected for my mission to space. I was selected out of 7,000 applicants from over 120 countries. And now I've been working on creating more space-related opportunities for Latin America in general. So if you didn't know who Kat was, now you know. <laughs> um, but we'll, we'll get to more details in a bit. But first, what we like to do is we like to start off with some weekly highs and lows um, just to get the conversation going. Um, we'll start with the lows and then bring up the energy. So <laughs> um, I'll start. For me, um, I guess a weekly low was that I usually meal prep during the week um, and I didn't account for Friday for lunch. So then I had to like, <laughs> my Friday lunch wasn't that good, but it's fine. <laughs> I still ate. So we're good. Um, Victoria, do you want to give us your low? Yeah, so um, for me, Friday was actually like really busy. Like when I went, I got to work. There's like so many emails because like something was like due that day and they're like, we need data to support this. And I was like searching super <laughs> fast. Like, you know, that TikTok sound like that's the fastest cashier I know. Like that was me, but like looking for data. <laughs> and I was like trying to do it all before lunch. And then it's, I mean, Friday's over now, so we're good. But I would say that was my low. It's a stressful time. Um, what about you, Kat? Do you have a weekly low? Yeah, I think for me, so my schedule is always extremely busy. Like anytime anyone looks on my calendar, they get scared because there's <laughs> just so much going on all the time. I sometimes during really busy days, I plan to the minute, not even kidding. But this week was a little bit slower. And I think sometimes for me, it's kind of hard to recognize that just because a week is slower doesn't mean I have to fill it. Mm. And so I kind of find myself just trying to fill it with productive things to do so that I don't feel mentally like I'm wasting my time. But the only mm -hmm. thing that ends up happening is I'm not really ever able to fill it properly with things that actually are helpful. And I'm also not resting. So I'm kind of just wasting time. I don't even feel any better about it. So that was my week. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably not as busy as you are, but like, <laughs> to like, fit, like, you know what I mean? Like when I don't have anything to do. <laughs> yeah. Like, do you, do you ever do that thing where you're like messing around, you're on TikTok or whatever, and then you hear someone coming around and you just like, pull up a book and you're like, no, I was reading. <laughs> it's like, you're not in school anymore. Like this person's not, you know, like, I don't know why I would do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, put my phone down and like, pull out my computer. <laughs> like if I need to like do something. Yeah. I like try to slow down too. And then I'm like. What do I do? <laughs> but anyways, um, we'll bring it up to doing some weekly highs. Um, so for me, I recently joined a dance team. So adding another thing to keep me busy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I like to dance. So um, I think I've been wanting to um, join the team or just get back into dance for a while. So 
I think this will be very good for me. Um, yesterday I actually went to a Dia de los Muertos like block party thing in LA. It was like a little festival, so there's like a bunch of like vendors and um, like food trucks and like performances and entertainment. So I think like that was really cool because most of the vendors, I think all of them were like Hispanic. So like, and then seeing all the performances was really nice. Um, but yeah, so I did that yesterday. It was really fun. And I bought clothes that I probably shouldn't have spent on, but it's okay. <laughs> um, so for me, I also got to spend Dia de los Muertos doing some really cool things. And I think it made me realize something too, because I'm in Mexico City right now. So I was yeah. able to actually spend these days in Mexico. And mm -hmm. the amount of people that come out to just be together, celebrate, hang out in the town squares is so beautiful. But it also made me really think, because throughout my life, what is something that I've always loved, like liked doing when there's nothing to do? It's like, oh, let's just go where the people are. You know, like it doesn't yeah. matter if we're doing anything, just where are the people? Like, are they in downtown? Are they at the park? Like, I just want to be where they are. And yeah. Sometimes in the U.S. that's not really like that doesn't happen. Right? It'll be 8 p.m. and you want to go where the people are. And it's like, well, they're not there anymore. They're in their beds. <laughs> so being in Mexico, it's like, oh, my gosh, like that's why I feel this need to be surrounded by others, because we're all like this. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. It's really cool to be able to kind of like realize why you're the way you are. Yeah, yeah. That's like really cool though that you got to see or experience the other little morsels there. I feel like all the celebrations there are just so much more impactful, I feel like. So we'll get into our episode theme, which is Katya. However, we'll <laughs> ask your specific questions. Um, so the first one is your experience in school, industry, and then now. So uh, so for those who don't know you, um, tell us about your experience like growing up and studying electrical engineering and, you know, jumping into industry and where you are now. Um, I know you kind of mentioned your your main um, like points in your introduction, but if you want to go more into detail on maybe like any of the challenges or like your successes and that sort of stuff. Yeah, so... I always knew I wanted to study something STEM related. Um, it's always been a very big part of my life. And I think it was more a matter of which one, which one do I like the most, as opposed to what do I do? What do I study in the future? Mm -hmm. So making that choice wasn't too hard. It was more of, do I like it more than I like these other things that I also like? So every time mm -hmm. I took a new science class, it was like, oh my gosh, this is what I want to study. And then I would take another one and be like, no, this is what I want to study. <laughs> so it's kind of funny because the thing I took was like the last class I took. Like That's what I decided to study. So I don't know if I had taken a, like a different one, if I would have been like, maybe this is what I like. <laughs> so I like all of it, you know, and I had to choose which one at the moment I liked the most, mm -hmm. which I think is a good problem to have. <laughs> but it was also a difficult time for me because when I was in high school and I was applying for college, I remember that everyone around me was just so excited and everyone around me was getting their acceptances and they were sort of not really like bragging, but just they're excited, right? They want to talk about it. But it made me really uncomfortable because I knew I knew that I had applied. I knew that I'd gotten accepted, but I also knew I couldn't go. And I knew that maybe some of these schools I had applied to, I shouldn't even have applied to at all because there was no way I could have even gone if even if I did get in, which yeah. I did get in. And that just makes it even worse. I didn't have the money for that. My parents are going through a divorce at the same time. And so I'm kind of having to choose. I have to choose whether I try to make this life for myself and if I were to go off, the school I really wanted to go to at the time was um, Cal Poly Slow. Mm. And I mean, I grew up in San Diego. So like for me, that's far away. Yeah. yeah. And I know that I would have been able to, you know, get a bunch of jobs and 
get a bunch of roommates and somehow work it out. But my parents, the thing, what they were going through and my mom never being able to get an education, never really having a job before, being alone for the first time. I have an older sister that has um, mental and physical disabilities. She's in her 30s, but her mental state is that of about an eight-year-old girl. And she has paralysis on half her body, but it's actually half this way. So it's her right arm, her right leg. So mm -hmm. in that moment, she also lost a lot, right? She lost um, her insurance. She lost access to um, the education she was receiving. Just her life in general was lost yeah. in that divorce as well. And I had to make a choice. So I did. And I decided I wasn't going to go off. I stayed and I enrolled in a community college instead because I understood, I understood I had to study. I knew I had to somehow get that degree because my family was never going to move from this spot if I didn't. And if I didn't also create that example for my younger siblings, I'm the second one after my older sister. But because of her issues, I'm technically the oldest as well. Mm -hmm. And so it was a very difficult time. But again, I just, I was so sure that I needed to get this done. Like, yes, I need to work. And yes, I need to pay rent and bills and make sure my siblings and my mom is okay. But I also needed to make sure that I get this degree. And when I got into my community college, I made a choice. I said, you're not wasting your time, everything you did and everything you've accomplished and all those times that you decided to sacrifice A, B, C, or D to get into college, it wasn't a waste because what we're going to do now is we're going to take everything we learned, we're going to take everything we know, and we're going to aim higher. So those yeah. schools that were for me, my dream in high school, like those are no longer the dream right now. These are now my backup schools. And I'm going to go as high as I can, because this is not a setback. This is an opportunity to do things again and do things better. So I looked at things that way. And I have no idea how, like to this day, I cannot tell you how I did this, but <laughs> I maintained uh, 4.0 the entire time that I was at community mm -hmm. college with my basically lower division engineering classes. And anywhere from two to four jobs at one time. Wow. wow. That, yeah. <laughs> My college experience. Yeah, you are just an unbelievable woman. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> like every yeah. time you said, there was like this whole time that you just like talked, I got like the chills a couple of times and I was like, wow. This is why I'm inspired by this woman. <laughs> yeah, thank you. There's like so many things that I think like, you know, I or like we both can relate to. And I was just like, you know, and then when we got to talk to you like about a year ago, I was like, wow, like somebody finally understands like, you know, the struggle. Thank you so much for sharing that. Like, I think so many other people who hopefully hear our podcast, um, are going to be able to get something from that um you know maybe they're also like thinking about whether they want to um go to like cal state university versus like community college you know i know that like a lot of times um people i guess like look down on community college but like i don't see why like it's definitely a lot cheaper and like you still can transfer and go to like these amazing schools um, and you did it. So, you know. Um. Yeah. I mean, honestly, when I first made that choice of going to community college, I remember I remember those exact thoughts, right, of I know what my classmates are going to think of this. I know that there's a lot of stigma associated. And in my school, I wouldn't say I was like the smartest person, right? I was not valedictorian. I wasn't really any of those things. I understand now that I had always, I was always capable of it, but I think I was always afraid to fully commit because once you fully commit and you don't reach it, then it's like, okay, I wasn't good enough. So if you never fully commit, you can just be like, no, if I wanted to, I could, but I don't want to. Yeah. So that's sort of the mentality that I had during high school. Mm. And that's why during high school, I wasn't really able to 
you know, like get that full ride scholarship so that none of this would have even been a problem to begin with or um, get into those higher level engineering schools because I never allowed myself to commit to something out of fear. And yeah. when I when I went to community college, it kind of just continued. It was, oh my gosh, everyone around me who did commit and did succeed and did achieve it. And they're now going to like Stanford and MIT and Harvard. And they sort of would look at me like as an equal in a way during those times that we studied together, they would see that I actually was at their level academically. I think I was like 30 in my, like 30 in my class when I graduated, 34 or something like that out of like 600, which is, you know, it's, it's not that bad. Yeah. We're at all. kind of like really decided to fully do the school thing. Yeah. <laughs> but I was afraid of telling people they're asking around like, oh, well, where are you going to go? And I lied. I was like, I'm going to go to slow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, knew, yeah. I knew I was going to the community college next door so yeah. what did I do like I was so embarrassed and I didn't enroll in the community college that was closest to my house because the people from my school that were also going to go to community college were going to go to that community college so I went to one that was like an hour away and my thought process here was well, they had an honors program. So I lied to myself and I like I lied to everyone around me and told them that that's why I needed to go to that one. Mm -hmm. it was, I don't want people to see me. I, like I never even went into the honors program. So. <laughs> but it's just a yeah. lot of these things, right? Like it, I think it's important to be honest about how we're all human beings and we're all yeah. still subject to a lot of these criticisms and opinions and a lot of things that we inflict upon ourselves but once I got there and I made that choice I realized that it was the best choice I could have ever made yeah <clears throat> and I, something else that I did while I was at community college was I kind of got this idea of what would you do how would you run this how would you live your life and plan out your future when no one's watching now those mm, friends that yeah. you have in school those teachers that know your potential or you know your guidance counselor that's been watching you for the past four years and is disappointed because maybe you didn't do as much as they thought you should or would all of that's gone now nobody knows you in college yeah. no one is like oh my gosh that person's eating lunch alone you know, nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. You just do whatever you want. And I'm glad I realized that at the beginning, because I just did so many things that I was too afraid to do in, in high school. And mm -hmm. I did them in a way that was still relatively safe because I had kind of this, this cushion. And I knew that from here, I just need to grow. I need to build. And then go off to the next state yeah and I think that's like a really good realization and maybe um, I know someone may have asked that like in some of the questions that were submitted but I think it's that realization of like you have your own path and like not comparing yourself to others is like once you realize that it's it makes it easier you know to to go about life and, and achieve your goals so yeah, you thank know. you. <laughs> yeah, I think also in I think in college also that's also where that kind of like came to mind because a lot of the times like people tell you like, you know, you're all in the same boat, like you're all studying, right? But then you realize that like you're actually not like that's actually not true because there's so many people, people in their Yeah. <laughs> like they they have had like tutoring sessions like you know like so much like parents who have studied this like growing up with this information like I just chose electrical engineering because like it came to the point where we had to choose an engineering major and I was like I didn't even know there were so many majors I thought there was just <laughs> one you know so like yeah I think like realizing that we're not on the same path you know yeah is was 
was what kind of helped me just go through and like really really stop comparing myself to like anyone else around me Mm -hmm. that's such an important point too because um for example I just went back to Westwood which is where UCLA is and I remember like I remember being there and I remember how like how difficult it was for me to be in that environment where you're looking around and like you can tell your classmates the majority of them have never struggled you know <laughs> like they have never had to fight their siblings for food they have never had to like pull the hair of their sister because she got the bigger portion of the one maruchan you were going to be sharing so yeah yeah I mean just being there being there and and kind of also now with my mentality and, and what I have now and going back and just seeing everyone I, I went with my sister and I remember we were eating and she asked me because we were eating somewhere like you know, like one of those nice little places with the seating outside and everything. <laughs> she was like, well, what do you, what's good? And I was like, I don't know. Well, have you been here? No. Have you been there? No. Have you been there? No. Like, girl, I was struggling to eat. Like I was not going to any of these places. Yeah. And she kind of just looked at me and this was like a couple weeks ago, by the way. She just looked at me. And she was like, a girl, that wasn't fair. Oh my god <laughs> we're seeing the students coming out of like their luxury apartments like with their <laughs> louis vuitton and like they have their little notebook in there and their little ipad and yeah you know, and like we're just watching them go by not a care in the world and i was just like oh my gosh mm -mm, that was not me i know <laughs> i remember one time where we were like because we were both um we both had like ebt cards like you know for groceries during college and i remember we both used up our like amount of money that was on there and i was like vanessa we have no food you know <laughs> so we like went to go to like jack in the box and we like share these like chicken tenders and i was like we're what you know i was like it's fine we ate today and you know that's all that matters <laughs> You know, you didn't go to those places, Kat, but you did go to space. Yeah, so. I did. I did. <laughs> and and really I went afterwards to those spaces. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about space then uh, <laughs> and your experience. Um, so you've probably been asked this a lot of times, um, but we want to know if like what your experience was like. So like, were you nervous? Were you scared about the whole idea? kind of like what went through your head when you were in space and then how did it feel achieving something you've wanted you know for so long mm -hmm. so it had always been a goal of mine since I was a child and obviously as you're growing up and you're starting to understand the reality mm -hmm. just the reality of life the reality of your situation you kind of feel a little ridiculous for even thinking that this is something that could happen to you. Mm -hmm. And I remember that when I got to high school, and this is something that I tell parents a lot, because parents have a lot to do with this particular thing I'm about to explain. When you're a child and you're saying, I want to be an astronaut, I want to be the president, your mom, your uncle, your cousin, everyone around you is like, oh my God, how cute. Yes, yes, yes. You can do anything. Mm -hmm. now you're in middle school and it's like okay you know like sure 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 you can do anything <laughs> now you're in high school and it's like okay how about we get serious this is your life this is your future how are you going to make money you're not going to make money off of these silly little dreams so let's stop mm -hmm. talking that way and let's get real about your situation because like things aren't really that way especially not for our community. Yeah. And so the narrative starts to change, but I think a lot of us don't consider what that does to a person. Yeah. What it does to a person to grow up hearing you can, and then suddenly the people that always told you you could, whose opinion is the most important in your life, 
and they're now telling you the exact opposite of what they were saying before. Yeah. So in my case, I was lucky enough that my mom never changed. My mom was just as supportive of that ridiculous dream when I was seven years old, as she was when I was 16, as she was when I was 20, as she was when I was 25. Mm-hmm. And she was so, it went beyond support. Like she was so sure. And she would always say things like, when you were born, you were born and I I knew you were going to do something big. I have always known that whatever you say you're going to do, as long as you truly want it, you're going to do it. It doesn't matter how large it is. Nothing is too big for you. So can you imagine what that can do to a person now if that narrative never actually changes? Yeah. Yeah. So when I'm starting to lose myself and I'm starting to lose that trust that I have in my own abilities, I'm going through high school and I'm having all these different difficulties and I'm realizing that I'm not really giving in my all because I'm too afraid. And if I'm too afraid to give in my all in high school, why would I ever be brave enough to do something as big as this? But my mom was always there and she was always there to to remind me and to push me as well. And Mm -hmm. so when it finally comes to that point and I, you know, I decide to apply, I decide to go through the process it's a three-year application process that I went through and then um, two interviews and then my final my final call as well. And I kind of just realized like I'm not I'm not scared. it's it's a different kind of feeling. It's not fear. It's mm-hmm. more of you've been dreaming and imagining something for so long. Mm-hmm. And suddenly one day someone tells you, you don't have to imagine anymore because now it's happening. So it's yeah. more of that shift. How does your brain comprehend yeah. something that you have been dreaming and has been a goal, but you're also expecting fully for it to not happen for the next 40 <laughs> years? Yeah. And yeah. then suddenly, not only is it happening, but it's happening next month. Oh, wow. The way that I kind of explain that to people in a like more simplified way is, for example, if I were to come to you and say, like, would you ever go skydiving? Mm. Would, you, mm. would, you, would you go? Oh, you're asking? I don't know. <laughs> I'm kind of scared of skydiving. <laughs> what about you, Vanessa? I feel like I try it. <laughs> Might be scared, okay. but I try it. So... It's interesting, right? Because it's like, oh, you're like, okay, yeah, like I might do that. But what if I say, yeah. cool, I'm I'm actually coming over right now. I have tickets. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's I'm like, like not mentally prepared for that. <laughs> yeah. So not sort of thinking about it because now it's not a hypothetical question. Right. Yeah. Of, would you do that? Like, yeah, I think I would. Like, I, I think I I'd say yes. <laughs> yeah. But then it's now all right, let's do it right now. Yeah. And now you have to think about the reality of that, something you've never had to think about before. Yeah. Because when it's a team, you're not considering all of the other aspects of it. You're only considering that thing itself. Yeah. yeah. Once it becomes reality, now we have to think about how is my mom going to feel? How is my husband going to feel? How are my siblings going to feel about it? How am I going to be able to comfort them throughout this situation? Yeah. I'm not just making a choice for myself. I'm making a choice for everyone around me as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And obviously we know that things happen and you can't control every situation. And so for me, it was not necessarily the fear for myself. Mm-hmm. It was more so the fear for everyone else and what they're going to have to go through because mm-hmm. of something I chose. Yeah. Yeah. So leading up to it, that's kind of what I was battling with. Um, because obviously I can see that they're starting to feel nervous and anxious. And I also know 
they can't tell me because I'm starting to feel a little bit anxious. And if they were to tell me like, hey, I don't know about this. That's going to make me more anxious. And if I were to tell them, I'm starting to feel a little scared. That's going to make them more scared. So it's like this thing that this elephant in the room that we can't talk about because we have to protect each other. Yeah. And have to be strong for each other. And it's really, really hard because those are the people in your life that for anything else in the world, you would go to and you can Mm -hmm. for this thing that is possibly the biggest thing that's ever going to happen to you. So I think that was the hardest part for sure. And during the experience, I would say I was not afraid. I think I was too busy to be afraid. You're going through so much and and you're going through the experience of the launch and the G-forces and then your capsule separates and now you're floating and now you're looking at a planet and it's the most incredible thing you've ever seen and you're looking at the blue of the the atmosphere and the way that it shines and glows and the blackness, blackness, blackness of space (laughs) and, you know, everything's floating around you and it's just someone's in your way you're like okay well I don't have to I don't have to wait for you to move because I can go under you because I can do that here (laughs) that's that's cool um it's just it's such an incredible thing happening all at once everything's happening at the same time you're in absolute shock the entire time and truly you cannot you can't like think about too much you can't comprehend too much in that moment it's like your mind is sort of blank yeah and you're just living you know that feeling when you're like completely submerged underwater and you you hear things but not really yeah pressure around you and you sort of just feel like weird right yeah Yeah, like I'm just in there yeah like there's a whole world out there happening going screaming shouting Mm -hmm. wind etc and you can sort of hear traces of it, but you're not participating in it. That's sort yeah. of what it feels like. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's, that's kind of a good way. Not that I would know if that's a good way to describe it, but I feel like that would be a good way to describe it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like now I you know, know it's like, like... <laughs> I didn't have to go to space. Like, you nailed it. <laughs> uh, and I think, um, oh, Victoria, were you going to say something? No, I was just going to say, like, oh, Kat went to space, so I went to space. Like, you know? <laughs> and she was yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, like, when you say that, um, you know, you had the experience to go to space, but then also that that's not enough. And, um, you know, we had you wanted to do something so that you weren't the last one uh, to have this experience, um, especially um, like within our community. Um, so we kind of wanted to talk about also Campamento Aerospacial um, and, you know, your process with that, like how that idea came about and like how the launch was and what your future plans are for that. Yeah. So after my mission, I went back to Mexico and I I just had such an interesting time because you have so many people that are looking up to you and, and admiring what you've done. And you also have so many children asking you how they can do what you did because they want to do that. Mm-hmm. But you know and you understand the current state of the Mexican Space Agency, the current state of the Mexican space industry. Um how for a long time now the government itself has not really prioritized a lot of these different scientific and technological activities or endeavors so if a child is coming up to you and saying how can I do this and you know the answer is actually get out of your country Mm. how you do this that sucks you know it's it's really hard psychologically and also emotionally to know that people from your community have dreams just as big as yours but because of where they were born they can't yeah 
And I mean, I, it's something that I haven't ever really shied away from, you know, I, I mention it and I say it all the time. I think sometimes we forget in the U.S. how privileged we are, especially when we compare a lot of our opportunities to opportunities that exist or don't exist in other countries. And for example, if we say something like, I want to work in NASA, it's like, okay, it's very difficult. It's extremely competitive. You are going to have to be one of the best to even get a foot in the door mm-hmm. and then continue to be one of the best in the whole country to continue on with that work once you're already in, either as an intern or as a first year. However, it's an opportunity available to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what you can apply. Mm-hmm. Versus somebody in another country, just because of where they were born, they can't apply at all. Right. Because this is a government organization and they require U.S. citizenship. That's just the way that it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we forget that a lot. And that's why I decided to create um, my foundation. So with this nonprofit, what we are trying to create is more space-related opportunities in regions that don't have access to these opportunities because of something as simple as lack of access in their country and lack of citizenship so they can't do it anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And so when when I decided to create this foundation, I didn't really I didn't really fully have like a thought out plan. I just knew that I wanted to help in some way. And so we started going through the paperwork. Um, It takes a long time to to finally receive the organization. And so in that time, while we were waiting, is when we started planning everything. We said, okay, Mm -hmm. um, we're going to start out with these educational programs. We're going to start out with these, we called them space camps, air and space camps, but they're not really like for fun. I mean, they're fun, but their purpose is not for to like to entertain you. Yeah, its purpose is to educate you and to provide you with a roadmap for something that does not currently exist in your country. Like these different opportunities, educational opportunities, do not exist at all. And so, how are you supposed to know if we're currently also working on developing a space industry? Because we also have the Uh, space activities reform that we're trying to pass to open up the door to space industry infrastructure Mm -hmm. and eventually those companies are going to develop and eventually those opportunities are going to be there but the people that are studying right now that are in school right now how are they supposed to know what they like if those educational opportunities aren't available so that they can play around and see what they like and if they can't figure out what they like within it then who's going to fill those spots once they become available so yeah that's sort of the idea behind this is we have to work on it in two different levels is we have to develop the industry but we also have to prepare the people that are eventually going to join the industry and because of the lack of access there would be no way for them to ever get to that point where they would be ready so that's where the idea was born and we decided to start with middle school age because that's a very strategic age just statistically mm-hmm. we know that girls in elementary school they are more interested in a lot of these different stem topics and math specifically while they're going through their schooling in elementary school and then when they get to middle school they start to become affected by a lot of different societal pressures and societal um, role standards etc yeah so and I remember this personally right it's like I get to middle school I'm making friends I would rather fail this test and be on the lower level class with my friend than (laughs) the smart kid and be in a classroom full of people that I don't even know. Mm. So we start to allow these different societal things to affect us. And we start making choices based more on how we want to be perceived socially. Mm -hmm. And we start saying a lot of those things. I mean, I remember in middle school being like, no, middle school doesn't matter. My grades here don't matter. Like this doesn't matter. Once I get to high school and even then it doesn't matter until you're in sophomore year, that's when it matters. 
Yeah. Yeah. It does matter because, because if I don't get into algebra in eighth grade, then I am never going to be able to take calculus in high school. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And so I'm at least thankful that even though I was being impacted by a lot of these different things that a lot of teenage girls are, I still understood that point and tried enough to make sure that I at least got into into that level. Mm -hmm. But that's why this age is so important. And now can we imagine what that's like in a country where culturally, for women specifically, their role is a role in the house. Yeah. It's a role as a wife, as a mother, eventually as a grandmother. Like that's what you're known as. Yeah. So it's it's one of the most important age ranges and everything that we do, someone might look at it and be like, oh, well, why only middle school? It's like everything that we are doing is so strategic and has a scientific statistical reason behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, like nothing is random if we ever put something <laughs> out it has gone through so much uh like trial and error and thought and thinking and you know essentially going through the entire life of a person up until they're retiring like that is how yeah. we thought out these are. <laughs> and something we decided to do for next year is so originally we wanted to just start out with one because mm-hmm. you're starting out it's something new nobody really knows what it is doing and you're not really even fully sure how it's going to turn out yeah so that was this first one ages 13 to 15 for those reasons I just mentioned and then something that we kept hearing was that people wanted this opportunity at different ages, whether it be younger, whether it be older, or whether it whether it be like way older, right? Like someone mm-hmm. who's already halfway through their career, mm-hmm. they want an opportunity similar to this. So for next year, what we decided to do is we decided to split up the camps. Um, half of them are going to be held ages 13 to 15. Mm-hmm. And then the other half are going to be held ages 15 to 17. Mm. and the 15 overlaps with both so that's an opportunity for us to place them wherever it makes sense the most based on the educational opportunities they've had available to them already mm-hmm. if they have had more opportunities and they're at a higher level then they can go with a higher level and if not then they can go with the lower level and get more out of that experience because something that's also very important for me is I understand that maybe you have a 4.0 here in this school and you also have a 4.0 here in this school, but this school offers programming, offers robotics and offers advanced math. And Mm. this school offers none of that and just basic math and reading comprehension. Mm -hmm. And so you can't put these kids together in in the same in the same project and say here build this robot because what you're going to be doing essentially is the kid that already has that experience is going to do it is going to love it is going to feel more comfortable more confident the kid that has never done that before is going to feel not only that this is not for them they're not going to like it because nobody likes being in uncomfortable situations where you don't feel good enough and then they're going to feel in their mind like it's being sort of validated to them that they don't belong here because here's a kid their age who's getting it on the spot with no further instructions needed and they're not actually thinking about the fact of everything they've already done beforehand and why they can even get to that point so like I said everything is just so thought out and what we want to create here is an experience that is going to change somebody's life So we're going to have those two different components. And then we're going to have a third component, which is going to be for any industry professional. So any engineer, any scientist, or any college student who is already working in some sort of tech industry or wants to work in a tech industry, but also would like to transition to the emerging space industry. 
So we're going to be built, um, building a program where essentially they're going to have access to real space industry professionals from some of the biggest organizations we all know and love. And they're going to be teaching them about different subjects. And it's going to be, this is more of like a college type situation where you're getting lectures from some of the most important professionals from the industry. And again, mm -hmm. something that they never would have had access to. So all of those different levels eventually contribute and go towards the same goal of preparing people for that space industry once it becomes available. Because the last thing I want is we develop the industry, we have the jobs, the opportunities, and they have to hire from other countries because mm. they can't fill them locally. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> There's um, a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. I like you know, I, I watch your videos and I see like how it's developing, but this is like a good, like I never understood it this fully, um, but it's inspiring to see like, you know, you achieve your goals, but also helping other people do the same. Um, and also like as a person who does it all, um, we also wanted to know like if there was any like adjustments that you had to make to adapt to you know, different environments and different industries and how you stay authentic and um, also just what has been your favorite part about all of this, you know, with all of the opportunities you've received, like not only within the space industry, but, you know, magazine covers and like interviews and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think something that I had to learn very early on is to to say no Oh, mm -hmm. we're going to have to say no more than we say yes. And if that looks like a 90% gets no and 10% gets yes, so that I can make sure that the 10% that gets a yes gets the most of me. Um, and that's really hard to do because as someone who never really had that experience of being in the limelight in that way, you kind of feel like you have to say yes to anyone that asks. And this yeah. is actually something that I already started facing even way before that. So when I started my social media account and I was an engineer at NASA, I remember I was getting a lot of messages from different clubs, different schools, um, whether it be elementary schools, middle school, high schools, different organizations, nonprofits that wanted me to essentially do a talk just about my life, my career, what I do at NASA, et cetera. And it got to the point where every night, every week, I had a talk. Mm. And it was just, it was becoming so much because I would have to go to work. I was working out in the morning and then going to work, coming off of work. By the time I got home, it was like maybe 6.30 or 7.00. And then at around 8 p.m., I would have my talk for an hour. Then it's already nine. And now it's pretty much just eat dinner, get ready really quick for the next day and then do it all over again. And it just became so much. Yeah. So I I do remember, though, that my husband talked to me about it one time and he was like, why are you doing that? And I said, what do you mean? Like, they're asking. He's like, yeah, like they're asking. They're not telling you. Like, mm. you don't have to do that you can choose yeah or you can schedule it in a way that it's not going to affect you so much because I was just so exhausted all the time and once this happened I kind of felt myself go into that once again where anyone who asked for an interview anyone who asked for some time for an article etc like I was saying yes and then I was realizing like I said yes to this to this reporter and I did an interview with them and this other reporter I I couldn't because of schedule conflicts and so they realized oh well she said yes to the morning news and we're part of the same network so let's just replay that same interview at night so then I was like wait like you guys could have done that the whole time so I didn't have to give you an interview for the morning news and then the evening news and then the nighttime news Oh my God. Yeah. So that's when I started realizing like, obviously they're going to ask and they're going to take 
they're going to take it if you accept. But at the same time, they also are like resourceful and they're going to make it work <laughs> and they're going to make it happen. Yeah. So I don't need to be pulling myself every which way so much. Yeah. And that was one of the hardest things for me, for me to learn. And I still, I still battle with that sometimes, mm -hmm. but it's not as much. I kind of have the opposite problem now where I have these moments where I'm just so overwhelmed and so tired that I start saying no to everything. And then it's like, <laughs> wait, how come November is empty? Like, oh yeah, I said no to everything. <laughs> so, that's funny. Balance, you know? Yeah. You're like, well, actually, wait, what was that offer? I know. <laughs> I was just kidding. <laughs> well, thanks for saying yes to us in November. <laughs> <laughs> we did have like some submitted questions but we're not gonna ask all of them just for the time being um Victoria did you want to ask one what is something you learned during school that changed the way you thought either negative or positive yeah, yeah. I actually really like that because something that I did when I was at community college was I kind of spoke a little bit about math right like needing to get into algebra in eighth grade so that I could make it to calculus as a senior well yeah. the problem with that is when you're a seventh grader and you already decided like ah, this doesn't really matter it doesn't affect me I'm just going to make friends and you don't try as hard and you don't do so well and then you jumped into a level that is not a level you're supposed to be in. And it just gets worse and worse and worse with each passing year. Mm. And that is what happened to me with math. I had a C in my seventh grade math class. I needed a B minus to be able to go into algebra. And I remember I begged my teacher. I said, I'll do whatever. I, I'll do extra work. I'll do extra credit. I'll do a project. Just let me know what I need to do to make this C plus a B minus so that I can go into algebra. Mm. And realistically, now thinking back, I shouldn't have done that because I wasn't ready for that. Mm -hmm. And what ended up happening is, well, I got a C plus in my seventh grade math class. And then I got, I think like a C minus in algebra one. And then I got a C, no, I think I got like a, yeah, I didn't, I didn't make it to the D plus, but I had like a C minus minus in geometry <laughs> in ninth grade. Like I was just getting worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. And I started to improve a little bit once I kind of realized what had happened. And I remember I did get an A in my senior year calculus class, but I felt like it was a fake A. Like I had gotten lucky with some of the questions I got and it just happened to be something I was more comfortable with mm. versus others. Yeah. So when I get to community college, I made a choice that is probably one of the hardest choices I've ever made, but also one of the most important of my entire, not only academic career, my entire career, like period, which is I was already at the point where for community college, I was supposed to jump into calculus too. And instead, I went down to pre-calculus mm. and I redid pre-calculus, I redid calculus, and then I went on to calculus too. So this added a whole year to my community college um, career. Like I stayed for yeah. three years instead of two because I made that choice. And mm. when I did that, like I was breaking every curve, I was essentially studying the top score every single test for every single math class I had an A plus throughout my entire math experience and again it's not that I'm like smarter than the people in that class it's that I went back I did it again I said my foundation is not okay yeah I need to fix that before I go anywhere else and it is because of that that I was actually able to do so well, you know, eventually once I transferred on as well. Yeah. 
yeah that makes a lot of sense um and that does sound like i feel like the smart decision to do <laughs> what has been the most meaningful experience to date for you um i would say being able to like repeatedly call my mom with the most ridiculous news <laughs> <laughs> and it all kind of started when I was able to tell her that I got my two Fulbright scholarships to college and mm -hmm. then and and by the way the entire time every time I tell her these different things um the one thing she actually wants to hear is that I'm having a baby and it just doesn't so the next news after that was my first internship at NASA, which she definitely thought that was me telling her I was pregnant because I made the mistake of, I brought my husband, my boyfriend at the time, and he essentially like told her like, we need to tell you something. Oh. It looked, it looked bad, but it was just my, I call it my NASA baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then after that, when I was able to get my my full-time job at NASA, and then after that, when I was selected for my mission to space, and then after that, um, all the different covers that I've been involved with, she loves going around to the stores and like hunting them down in the wild. <laughs> That's so and cute. That's cute. I decided to hire her as well. So she's actually working with me right now. Mm. And she's, so she's trying to build her house and so it's just been so incredible to be able to just continue to give her good news. The only thing is, well, when you've already given her such ridiculous news for so long, like there's no little news anymore. Like if you want her to be excited, like I have to essentially tell her like, oh my gosh, guess what? Tomorrow I have a trip to Mars. Yeah. It's yeah. Just not anymore. That's so funny. You're like, I finally got a new trash can. And then she's like, yeah, oh, like, eh. I'm not taking it. She's like, that's what you called me for. <laughs> um, I will just um, ask this one just because I think it's probably the most important question. But um, how are you so amazing and cool and inspirational? Were you simply oh. born with it? <laughs> um, you know, I think the biggest thing for me has been to like, understand I don't have to change me yeah you know I think especially being involved a lot with like a lot of the celebrities we grew up watching yeah I'm invited to a lot of things now where like we're being placed on the same stage and we're both being handed the microphone and sometimes it can be difficult to like witness people whose entire life has been entertainment mm. and they're really good at it right like it's like, this happens to me sometimes I'm watching TikTok and um I don't know if you know this TikToker her, her name is like um Sol Leon I think I, yeah she, she's like, funny which one he's buying like a virgencita oh yeah, yeah the shirt yeah she's like yeah. ciao <laughs> So, so sometimes I see people like that and I'm like, oh my gosh, like if I get in front of a camera, like that is not what I'm doing, you know, and I admire them for it. Yeah. But it's really important to also remember that you don't have to be like a version of yourself you're not comfortable with. Like that's yeah. just not who you are. Like for her, that's who she is. She's she's funny. She's a comedian and she's amazing at it. And for me, like it's never going to be me where I get in front of a camera and I'm like making jokes and like, you know, dancing in front of people. Yeah. But I am able to inspire someone to maybe make a change in their life. I am going to be able to um, perhaps help someone understand and, and feel that there are opportunities available to them and if that if they're not then they can create them and they can make them up themselves and they can follow paths that didn't exist but do now because of them so yeah I, I think just like specifically relating to that comment it's every single person that you look to and that you admire 
sometimes also feels like what they are and who they are is maybe not enough but it's important to recognize who you are what you are what you offer the value that you have and that you bring and to lean into that yeah because we all we all have that thing about us like maybe I'm not going to be that person but I am this person Mm -hmm. yeah that was beautifully said I would say (laughs) very random references yeah especially that part you know we just like all have the same mutant but enough (laughs) it's because her tiktoks keep coming up on my for you page this week okay she is funny I love her she is funny um, and that sound specifically it's like been going viral with people bringing out of whatever vacancita they have in their house <laughs> i should do that i have one actually she's right here yeah look up the audio <laughs> thank you katia for joining us and taking the time to really give us like your insight and um just talk to us so this video will be uploaded on youtube and our website Um, This will be episode 14, um, so stay tuned for our next one. Um, It will also be um, available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.